Support for Under the Radar comes from Wellwithall. Wellwithall believes that self-care is community care. Premium products crafted for your daily wellness, from sleep support to heart health to your daily regimen. 20% of Wellwithall's profits are committed to leading the fight for health equity. They won't stop until it is truly Wellwithall. Under the Radar to me means authenticity, not being filtered. It's a window in on the local stories that touch our lives. And there's a huge void in the traditional media covering this new faces of Boston. You may not be looking for a particular story, but when you hear about it, you're engaged. Under the radar means ahead of the curve. It's also perspectives. How does this particular story affect a community or a neighborhood? I'm Callie Crossley. This week on Under the Radar with Callie Crossley, we're going beyond reduce, reuse, recycle this Earth Day. Local innovation is helping to create a greener world. First, we're not driving around in flying cars like the Jetsons just yet, but could your future ride run on charged up water? Hydrogen fuel cell cars and how Massachusetts is taking the wheel on this clean tech industry. And later in the show, two local startups bringing cutting-edge clean water and internet technology to Central America and Sub-Saharan Africa, and how tech companies see the future in emerging markets. But first, joining me in the studio, Chris O'Brien, the Chief Technology Officer of IVIS Energy Solutions, a Boston startup that helped to create a hydrogen generator and dispenser called Simple Fuel. Welcome, Chris. Nice to be here, Kelly. And Charlie Myers, president of the Massachusetts Hydrogen Coalition. The coalition represents the hydrogen, fuel cell, and related industries in Massachusetts. Hello, Charlie. Hi. Thanks, Kelly. Well, I'm glad to have you both because this is very exciting. I have to say, when I first heard about this, I was like, uh-oh, this feels over my head. <laughs> but then I thought about it. I mean, there's been so much conversation about hybrid cars, even electric cars, even cars running on grease a la Willie Nelson. But this hydrogen fuel cell, I just wasn't really up on as much as I should have been. And it really is the future is now kind of situation. So let's just start at the very basic and describe how a hydrogen fuel cell car works. So Chris, I'll start with you. So a hydrogen fuel cell car is an electric car. So these days people are more familiar with battery electric cars. You see a lot of them driving around. And a fuel cell car uses those same motors. So you have an electric motor driving the wheels of the car. The difference is how do you get the electricity to that motor? And in a battery electric car, it's very simple. There's a battery sitting there. You charge it up, and then it puts that electricity back in the motor and discharges. Then you got to plug it in and wait for usually quite a while to charge it back up, typically 8 to 12 hours to charge an electric car. With a hydrogen fuel cell car, there isn't a battery. There's something called a fuel cell engine. And this is not like any engine you've seen before. It's not burning gasoline. It's not exploding things. It is what we call an electrochemical reactor. So it's basically like a battery where you have, instead of the normal chemicals that we have in a battery, you have hydrogen on one side of it and air on the other. And it makes a reaction go between the hydrogen and the oxygen to push electricity through that motor. The great thing about this is instead of having to recharge it, you just need to refill that car with hydrogen. And these cars can get about three or 400 miles on a single tank of hydrogen, and you can fill them up in about five minutes, just like filling up your gasoline car. Drive up to a station, take the nozzle, and fill up your car and you're ready to go again. So it's got all the advantages of an electric car with the additional advantage of real quick refueling and a good long range. So it's much more like driving a regular car today. 
So why are you excited about it? Just to set a stage for it, I'm going to ask Charlie the same question, but, but why is this exciting you? What excites me about this is I grew up in Detroit, so I've been around the auto industry so you know my cars. whole life. Yeah. Yes, uh, and I've built cars. You know, I was that guy who was never, ever going to drive anything without a manual transmission, and now I work on electric and fuel cell cars, so that <laughs> happened. The thing that excites me about it is back in the 80s, when we were looking at this and thinking, are we really 30 years from now still going to be driving around gasoline cars, burning dinosaurs? Are we really going to do this? And we think, no, of course not. We are still driving them around, and they're a lot better than they were, but still looking forward 20, 30 years, you got to think, there's got to be a better solution. And these days, that solution is really close. You can see it driving around the roads today. There's electric cars out there. There are fuel cell cars on the road in California. So I'm excited about being able to really get there in my lifetime to a totally different way of dealing with transportation and having completely zero emission cars. Just to put that in context, about 2 billion tons of CO2 are emitted every year from the cars just in the U.S. That's a lot. That's a lot. And we could take that away with moving these technologies forward. So I'm pretty excited about that. Well, Charlie, you're representing a host of industries that are connected in this world, that come together in this hydrogen fuel cell car. Why are you excited about it? And why is everybody in Massachusetts in these various industries excited about it? It's an opportunity to have locally sourced fuel. In addition to everything that Chris said, which excites me too, we can turn water into hydrogen. We can use water into our fuel. We don't have to worry about where our fuel is coming from to the state. And when we think about things like Superstorm Sandy and, and events like that, if we can supply our fuel locally, we don't have to worry about how it gets there in these weather events to go along with it. And the vehicles produce electricity. That electricity is exportable, too. We can use it for other power needs off the vehicle, which also excites me. So Chris mentioned just offhand that in California, they're already, you know, on the road. Some of these cars are already on the road. I mean, in other places in the world as well. In Massachusetts, where are we with anything riding around on the road? Um, I know that there were some interest in buses. Do we have a bus going yet? What's going on here? It's a good question. In Massachusetts, we actually have a network of fueling stations that are under construction now so that by this time next year, we should have stations operational and be able to get fuel cell electric vehicles to drive in Massachusetts powered by hydrogen on that. What makes the industry excited about it is that it's happening. We've looked and talked about fuel cells for a long enough period of time. Now they're finally coming to pass in a way that we can afford it. We can make the fuel locally on it. And there are a lot of different transportation platforms that we're looking at from fuel cell-powered forklift trucks to, as you say, fuel cell-powered buses. Uh, and there is one operating in the state right now. So there's a variety of things happening in New England that this time we really will be driving. We'll have a choice, battery electric or fuel cell electric, so they both be available to us. Where would you put Massachusetts along the spectrum of, of the development of this technology? In the development of the technology, Massachusetts, to me, is an incubator. Okay. We are the leader in that. With the university ecosystem that we have here and the companies like Chris's, we really are the ones that are creating the technology. Now, as a state policymaker, we're also one of the leaders in that. Uh, Massachusetts, along with seven other states, signed a memorandum of understanding, later created an alliance with other states to say that we want to deploy 3.3 million 
zero emission vehicles. That's Charlie Myers. He's president of the Massachusetts Hydrogen Coalition, and uh, the coalition represents the hydrogen fuel cell and related industries in Massachusetts. So I'm going back now to Chris O'Brien, who's the chief technology officer of IVIS Energy Solutions, for a couple of reasons. First, we're all happy here, but there's a downside of this that we're going to talk about right now that makes this challenging, and it's one of the reasons why we haven't gone forward. And that is, it's all great when you talk about it, but you got to have some place to fuel up this charge up for five minutes or three minutes or whatever it takes. Takes. And your company was in a competition and won it $1 million with a solution. So talk about what the problem is, quote unquote, and then how you came up with the solution. Yes, it's your standard chicken and the egg problem, right? You've got this great car that runs on hydrogen. It's fantastic. It fills up really fast. It has great range. The only problem is where are you going to get your hydrogen? And there are stations being built around the country, large-scale stations, like the ones that Charlie mentioned earlier, that are going to be built, 12 of them around the northeast here, that can fill up quite a lot of cars, and that'll be great if you live right next to one of those stations. Something that we were interested in at IVIS and happened to uh, fit in with this competition I'll tell you about was, what do you do everywhere else? And what do you do in a very new market where you might not want to spend millions of dollars to put in a big station? Or you might not have the space to put in a big station for cars that aren't really here yet. That's what we wanted to address, and we did it with something that we call Simple Fuel, which is basically a hydrogen gas station in a box. This box is about the size of half a parking space, and you plug this thing into water and electricity, and inside the box it splits that water into hydrogen and oxygen. The oxygen goes off into the air, and we keep the hydrogen around. So when a car comes up, you take the nozzle that's also sitting on the same box, put it in the car, you can fill up the car and drive away. It doesn't fill quite as fast as the larger stations will. You might be waiting 15 or 20 minutes instead of five, but it's something that's really inexpensive. It's easy to put somewhere. It's portable. (laughs) <laughs> and you could move it, right? You can put it somewhere where you think you might start having some cars, like a dealership is a great example. And then as the big stations come in, because these cars are going to take off and we're all going to want them, then you can move that out further along to the, the edge of the network. So we were very lucky to happen to be able to fit this into a government-sponsored competition that was called the H Prize. This was sponsored by the Department of Energy. The Department of Energy has been a huge supporter of fuel cell technologies going back about 40 years. So they have brought this from something that you would only ever see on a space shuttle Mm. to something that you can go buy a car today at a reasonable price and drive it around. Uh, So lots of work has gone into that. When we were at about the stage of having a sketch, it wasn't really on a napkin, but it should have been. We had a sketch of this thing a little over a year ago, thought it was a great idea, entered ourselves in the competition along with a few partner companies. And less than a year later, I was able to pour water into a bucket that we had next to this thing in the morning. And then in a couple hours later, I filled up a car and drove away. Wow. And then after a bunch of testing and proving all sorts of things about keeping it low cost and being able to run every day and fill lots of cars, we uh, were awarded the prize. We're very excited about that. And we're using that money to start commercializing this product. And I'm proud to announce that we're going to be putting one right here in Massachusetts. Wow, where? It'll be in Somerville Mm. at the site of Greentown Labs. That's where we work out of it. And uh, we got a very generous grant from the Massachusetts Clean Energy Commission to put a refueler there. And Hyundai has actually offered us a few cars that we can have at the site so people can drive them around and get used to what fuel cell cars are like. And the great thing about that site is it'll be fully solar powered. So this will be completely green driving right in Somerville. 
Wow. Well, there's a lot going on, and you heard it here first on Under the Radar. If you're just tuning in, this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley, and here with me is Chris O'Brien of Ivis Energy Solutions. You just heard him talking about the big prize and the new hydrogen fuel cell solution station coming in Somerville pretty soon. And Charlie Myers is also here of the Massachusetts Hydrogen Coalition. We're talking about hydrogen fuel cell cars, and we want to know if their popularity is going to hit, really hit, the U.S. market. Stay with me, people. If I can do it and I almost flunk science, you know, we're good here in this conversation. I actually got more and more excited as I kept reading about this because what interested me is that even though, as both of you have said, some conversation about this has been going on for many, many years, it feels now if it's possible to say this, that it's fast-tracking a little bit more. We've talked about those cars on the road in California. We should mention that 12 automakers are making hydrogen fuel cell cars. You mentioned Hyundai. There's also Toyota, and they are determined to get all of their cars on the road by Mm -hmm. 2020 because they want to drive the Olympic athletes around in the village, and then they're going to sell them afterwards. That's their goal. So there is a lot, a lot of interest in this now in ways that, perhaps, you know, hadn't been as clear cut. And yet there's a few things, as we've talked about, that are can slow the progress. One thing, Toyota's Mirai is $57,000 if you wanted to buy it right now, as some have. That's probably a Mercedes, about 57, probably. probably about the same. So it's not totally outrageous if you are in the high-end car market. But on the other hand, it's not down where the rest of us might consider Actually, it. Actually, you know? the, the lease price on that vehicle is surprising. They're in about the three fifty nine a month range. But the lease price includes not only the maintenance on the vehicle, but the fuel as well. Yes, let's talk about that because the car makers are so enthused about this. They're rebating a lot, so they're almost giving you the car. But you explain it more about these rebates and everything. Yeah. The states have rebates to buy the vehicle as well. Massachusetts is one of those states. There isn't a fuel cell electric vehicle rebate. But the car companies have put leasing programs together that include concierge service for the vehicle. They'll pick the car up in your driveway. You don't have to drive to the dealership. And they're including the price of fuel as part of it. So that because fuel is being sold on a kilogram basis, not a gallon basis. So it's a package to bring it more to the mainstream, if you will. But if you price up Priuses versus the Mirai and think about lease programs, a lease with fuel and maintenance. That's pretty good. Can't beat that. They are excited to get these out there, which is why they're doing these kind of programs. To get that lease, you do have to live close enough to a hydrogen station that you'll be able to fill up the Well, car. not for long, particularly if you live in Somerville. That's coming. You just told yeah. me that, Chris. <laughs> right? We'll see you there. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about this. There are some chief critics of this who say, yeah, yeah, boo-hoo. One of them is Elon Musk, and he's known as an innovator. He's the head of Tesla who's doing a lot of other stuff. He calls it dumb mm-hmm. is one of the words he uses for it. He just doesn't think this is a good way of doing it. I'm going to give both of you a chance to explain why he's off the mark here. I'm going to start with you, Charlie Myers. Why is Elon Musk off the mark about hydrogen fuel cell cars? Because the hydrogen fuel cell car mimics the exact experience that we're used to today, the five-minute refuel, the three to 400 miles of range, and it provides a zero-emission platform for us. So it does all of the things that the battery electrics do, but it doesn't take hours to charge, and it gives range comparable to what we're experiencing today. 
So when normal folks know about this, they're more inclined to think about it in a serious way. I'll just note that next door to me is an office building where somebody has an electric car. Mm -hmm. And I watched that car sitting there overnight being charged. And I've thought more than once, wow, this this is a long time to charge this car every night or every other night. I don't know how often they do it, but I see it there quite a bit in the spot being charged. So right away, that would say to me, that's not practical because I don't want to sit there and wait for the car to be charged. Right, Chris? Well, (laughs) yes, that's an issue. But electric cars, I actually worked on electric cars back in the 90s, and they've gotten a whole heck of a lot better since then. They charge a lot faster than they used to and have longer range. I think the real issue with a a lot of people on both sides of this is making it an either-or solution. There's absolutely no reason for it to be an either-or solution. So don't do that. Stop that. So Elon Musk is wrong to do that. cars are zero-emission vehicles. All right. Electric vehicles with batteries, electric vehicles with fuel cells. Same zero emission result for the environment. And all the programs that are being set up around the country for rebates and for state incentives, they recognize that. They don't specify what kind of zero emission vehicle. They say, we just want zero emissions. And when you look at the two types of technologies, honestly, for most of us, for most of the driving we do, a battery electric car will be fine. If you can plug it in at home at night, then that's great. You only drive sort of a normal commute. Mm -hmm. But if you need to go farther, if you have a real need to fill fast, if you are driving a truck or a bus or other things where you're never going to see a battery really work because they're just too heavy, fuel cells are a fantastic solution. So between the two, we can really have something that goes all the way from the tiniest commuter car up to 18-wheeler trucks, fully zero emission. Some will be battery, some will be hydrogen. So you're suggesting, Chris, that both may be on the road at the same time in the future shortly. I'm sure that both will be on the road for the future shortly and then for a long time to come. I think this is Hmm. really where we're going, is there will be zero emission vehicles and it will be slightly different types depending on what your needs are, just like gasoline and diesel today. It'll be choice. Hmm. We buy a car today based on can we put car seats in the back seat and how many people do we want to put in the car and we'll be doing the same thing and we won't be thinking about whether it's battery electric or fuel cell. It'll be zero emission. Why is Elon Musk, and here's the exact quote, calling these hydrogen vehicles mind-bogglingly stupid, an industrial dead end? (laughs) I'm just curious about why. It seems like that's an intense pushback. Of course, he has a commercial interest of his own. I'm going to put that on the table. But I thought that was awfully intense. He's an awfully intense guy from uh, (laughs) everything I've read from him. And I had a company that was entirely built on uh, battery electric vehicles. Maybe I'd say things. There have been a lot of technological hurdles to overcome in the past decades to get hydrogen vehicles on the road. However, you can buy one, lease one, go try one today. It's a great car. It drives great. It works just like a car. So I think those hurdles really have been overcome. And there are some other issues about getting the cost down and that sort of thing. We're on a great path to do that. They cost less than a Tesla today. Let's put it out there. That wow. Mirai at $60,000 costs a lot less than a Model S. What does that cost? See, I have no clue. Around about $80,000 oh, to start. see, there you go. You can put that out there. Yeah, as a, no, as a I, think that's, I think that's important. Now, I noted this was not apropos of this conversation. Then it became apropos of this conversation that just not long ago, the Boston Globe did a piece about gas stations going away. But if you read the article, it was because the real estate is so valuable, so they're selling them. But the bottom line is people who are driving gas-operated cars, which is most of us at this moment, are having to search for places to refill our cars. Now, part of the discussion about 
places in which people might be able to get their hydrogen and is to build off existing gas stations. So a couple things here. Chris, what will happen then? Will we able be able to take simple fuel to the remaining gas stations and hook it up there? Or as they go away, will simple fuel, your portable station for hydrogen, find itself in many other unique situations? That's exactly one of the things we were thinking about is uh, we've designed simple fuel so that you can place it right at an existing gas station. So it can sit there right on the same island with your gasoline dispensers. And that's a great way to get the market started. You may start to have a few fuel cell cars in an area. You can put a few of these at a few gas stations. People can go there to refuel. As we go longer into the market, then we're thinking of it really as this is something where you can put it all sorts of places. It doesn't have to be the traditional gas station model. We don't have to have a big piece of real estate next to the highway and do things that way. These things can go in parking lots. These things can go at office buildings. And uh, Simple Fuel and other hydrogen technologies can do that. It's much harder to do that with gasoline. So this gives us a great opportunity. And it's very similar to electric vehicle chargers, battery electric chargers that you see today. They're popping up in parking lots and at malls and that sort of thing. That's true. Yeah. So you can think of it as being able to just refill your car where you already are. Mm-hmm. Chris, you should add that your simple fuel device is non-polluting. I mean, exactly. where, right. where, where right. you put it, mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about a contamination at the site where with a gasoline station, you worry about the leaking gasoline into the ground and where the runoff goes. That's not the case with your simple fuel. And that's the case for all hydrogen stations. They're, the stations themselves don't pollute either. So what do you think about this positioning at whatever remaining gas stations there may be? I think we have a chance to rethink where we put the infrastructure mm-hmm. that fuels the vehicles. As Chris said, well, we can look at shopping malls and shopping centers. It doesn't have to be a convenience store or a gas station where we go get our fuel. Picking it up at work certainly is another area to do it in. So it, it offers a gamut of discussion. Downtown Boston... Gasoline is hard to find. The Boston Globe was right. It's disappearing quickly. You represent uh, Massachusetts around the world in this arena. I mean, your coalition of folks are going around the world. I'm wondering what you're bringing back. What are you hearing out there? I've mentioned that Toyota is hard at work trying to beat everybody else. But there are 12 automakers with cars that are equipped with hydrogen fuel cells. But I'm just curious about what are the leading edge things that you're hearing as you're traveling around? Fuel cell electric vehicles are way ahead in other parts of the world than we are in the States right now. Europe is putting a a vast number of stations in play to do that. Japan, you mentioned for the Olympics coming up, uh, everything they're doing there. China recently put an order out for over 200 fuel cell buses. So the world has recognized the benefits of it and, and is dramatically moving forward to put fuel cell electric vehicles and hydrogen infrastructure in place. We appear to be have many, many ideas or thoughts about where we are as an energy nation. We want our gas, but no, we don't want to pollute. But then we want, you know, how does hydrogen fuel cells fit into this discussion now? It ends our reliance on offshore fuel. We can make the product domestically. We can make the product in the state. You know, right now, if we buy a gallon of gasoline, the profit dollars go to some other state where there's an Exxon or a Mobil or something like that, where if we made the hydrogen here, all the dollars for that would go into Massachusetts and our economy. If you're just tuning in, this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley. I'm here with Chris O'Brien and Charlie Myers. That was Charlie Myers just speaking. He's with the Massachusetts Hydrogen Coalition. And we're speaking about hydrogen as the future fuel of cars in America. Chris, you mentioned 
driving away in a, one of these vehicles. I'd like you to discuss what the experience is like. I remember the first time I was in a hybrid vehicle and was shocked that it didn't make a noise. And I hear this is even quieter. Yes, <laughs> it is a different experience than what you're used to in a car. First thing you'll notice is you push the button to start the car. No key, it's a button. And pretty much nothing happens. Some lights turn on. And uh, some of them actually play a little tune so that you know that the car has, in fact, started. Okay. Uh, it is absolutely silent. And then you step on the accelerator, you notice something else. Uh, these all feel like performance cars. And the reason for that is the electric motors. The way that the electric motor drives the wheels of the car is much more direct than what we have today with our gasoline engines turning lots of shafts and lots of gears to get eventually to your wheel. So... It's got this fantastic pickup, and you just kind of zip up to speed, and it feels great. And then when you're up and running, it again, it is almost silent. Uh, it is a really eerie experience at first, but you get used to it really fast. And then you get into your regular old gasoline car to drive home and realize, wow, this thing is a lot noisier than I remembered. It feels like you're driving a car. Just a really nice one. So I read an article in preparation for um, this conversation, and the guy was proposing that this be also, if you're driving it, understand that you have a water, like extra water on hand because it's producing water as, and that it's perfectly safe to drink. His, his point was that there really is, this is not a pollution situation at all, and the water that's produced you could drink if you were out somewhere and thirsty. And, and I thought, well, this is... Interesting. Let me let me get Chris O'Brien to weigh in on that. What what do you think about that water being produced by the cars? Uh, well, it has been done. I think in some of the first bus demonstrations, that was sort of the standard thing to do. Is uh, the mayor of whatever city was getting the bus would come out and put a glass under the tailpipe and then take a drink. If you've ever looked at the tailpipe of any cars driving around Boston in the winter, I really wouldn't recommend yeah. it in that case. Uh, <laughs> yeah, road gross. salt is not a good thing. <laughs> but the only exhaust from these cars is essentially humid air. And so then when you have your fuel coming from water and ideally perfectly renewably produced electricity, and then eventually that water just comes right back into the environment and reenters the cycle. So no net environmental impact at all. Hmm. Do either of you know how many cars may be on the road here in Massachusetts or even in New England? Would you know that, Charlie? Fuel cell electric vehicles right mm -hmm, now, mm -hmm. um, less than 10 Okay. in New England. In California, probably close to 2,000 right now. Wow. And is in California, is it in a particular area of California or just all over the state? Uh, essentially from Los Angeles through the Bay Area. We should note that California, I believe, has the highest price gasoline in the country. Maybe Hawaii might be beating them. But other than that, isn't that right? Yeah. So that has to be an incentive as well to just sort of, you know, get away from that. It right. is. I that is not part in your of head, it. Chris. Yes. Yeah, go ahead. Another part of it is California has been really leading the nation for decades now on clean driving, especially when they started to really try to address the smog problems that they had back in the 70s. And they've just kept on that path, and they have pushed for hybrid vehicles. They've pushed for electric, battery electric vehicles. They've pushed for fuel cell vehicles. And they have put a huge amount of money in at the state level to fund a network of hydrogen stations so that it is practical to drive a hydrogen fuel cell car in California today. And now Massachusetts and many other states in the Northeast are following that and they are getting ready to put stations in place, and they are also putting in all the incentives to get consumers to buy these vehicles. So I think we will very soon 
be following in California's footsteps here. Uh, and at least I intend to be driving one as soon as humanly possible. Okay. Now, we're in an era where everybody's talking about driverless cars. Are there hydrogen fuel cell driverless cars in this moment anywhere? No, there are not. No, not no. That Would we that know be the of. next step? We don't know. You don't know? Well, as someone who grew up in Detroit, yeah. I don't want a driverless car. <laughs> okay, so I, okay. I enjoy driving my car. <laughs> okay, I get um, it. But the same technologies will apply to any type of car, gasoline, electric, hydrogen, those those driverless technologies will all apply to all of those. And in some cases, you know, driving around the roads here, you think maybe some more driverless cars would be a good idea. Yeah, no, in Boston particularly. Another question that's come up or something that I found interesting is that the military has expressed interest in it. We've only talked about it here in the context of regular folk driving it. I was trying to imagine, and I guess you would know, Charlie, what are some of the uses that the uh, military is thinking of in terms of hydrogen fuel cell cars? Well, interesting question. They just actually commissioned a Chevy Colorado pickup truck, the Army did, to do some evaluation work on the performance of fuel cells in the military and how they would source the hydrogen fuel to take care of the vehicle. So it's, it's an active project right now. Some of the reasons that they're thinking about this are whenever the military goes somewhere, they have to think of where are all our resources that we need coming from. That's true. So if you have a vehicle and fuel technology where you understand all the ends of it, you don't have to bring gasoline in, you can make your fuel on site. That's a big deal. Uh, another thing about hydrogen fuel cell cars, they're silent. They don't make a lot of heat. The engine doesn't run hot. It runs at a very normal temperature. So those are big advantages in a military application. All right. Last word from you, too, about the future being now for hydrogen fuel cell cars. I do see a change in the industry. I've been working in this industry for a couple of decades now. And when I started, the discussion was around, should we have zero emission cars? Should we go that route? And now the discussion is around how are we going that route? And there are proponents out there of battery electric and fuel cell electric. Uh, as I said before, I don't think it's an either or solution. The cars are already here. They're great. And with the kind of programs that we've got going on in this country and this state particularly, we can get the infrastructure out there in a pretty easy way to be driving these cars soon. And so I'll just invite you to come to Somerville later this year yeah. and drive one around for yourself. Oh, I, invitation accepted. How about you, Charlie? With uh, zero emission vehicles, we have a choice of fuel. We have a choice of vehicle performance. And the fuel cell electric vehicle is comparable to what we're driving today. I think it's a little peppier. And we no longer have to rely on a hydrocarbon-based fuel product. We can do it with water to make the hydrogen. So a local resourced fuel product, silent, good performance, high reliability, even the ability to power our homes from the car. Wow. Well, according to Bloomberg News, Massachusetts is the most innovative state in the nation. I guess you two have just proved that's the case. So we thank you very much. So. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> thank but you, Kelly. Chris O'Brien is the chief technology officer of Boston startup Ivis Energy Solutions. And Charlie Myers is the president of the Massachusetts Hydrogen Coalition. Coming up, clean water, Wi-Fi, and a phone charger may seem like the norm for us here in Boston, but in certain parts of the world, these are luxuries. Two local startups are bringing affordable, necessary technology to Central America and Africa. That's next. This is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley. Thank you.